0: Welcome. How are you? Good to see you. Thanks for coming along for the ride today. I want to start today with an apology to, well, all of the listeners, but one in particular, Dominic, who emailed me and was quick to tell me how disappointed he was in me. He was referring to the Robert Kraft story that I did last week about, uh, Robert being done with the sex sting, where he went to the massage parlor and I'll just read you his email to me, Jeffy, 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 you disappointed me. As I already stated, uh, you kept circling around your prey, but you never swooped down for the kill In your craft massage parlor story. You repeatedly said that the police were not happy with the decision to dismiss the case. They didn't like the ending. I kept waiting and waiting, but you never said it was an unhappy ending for the police. Shame on you, Dominic. I read that. I hung my head in shame. And I just want to say to you, Dominic, and to the audience I'm sorry. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. I guess we start with congratulations to the former governor of Minnesota, Mark Dayton. He announced that he and former campaign staffer have gotten married. I mean, congratulations. He said on his Facebook post, and of course, uh, Mark... (laughs) Being uh, 73 years of age, he would post on Facebook, uh, said that uh, he was delighted. And for what it's worth, he's a lucky man. His wife, formerly known as Ms. Anna Ork, now Anna Dayton, is smart, compassionate, tough, funny, and impossibly good at Scrabble. Now, He also pointed out that she worked on the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign during the 2008 primaries, and that she worked on his gubernatorial campaign in 2010. And then they lost touch until a couple of years ago, and the rest is happy history. Now, he also goes on to say that, I know our age difference will surprise many of you. Well, why would it? He's 73, she's 32. Duh, it's only 41 years. There's no age limit on love, my friends. Okay? Okay. So, it's just happy history now. And gosh darn it, we just we just love each other and we just want to celebrate the gift of new love and joy and Take this opportunity to wish you the most joyful holiday season. Well, thank you, thank you, former Governor Mark Dayton and Anna. Congratulations on your, on your new love. And my gosh, I wish nothing but happiness for the both of you. And seriously, I mean, Gov, way to go. You're the man. And Anna, bless your heart. But I'm all for it. I mean, if you're all for a little former governor business and you're in love, uh, bless your heart. (laughs) I mean, I... That's it. That's it. Congratulations. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Now, you may ask yourself, well, what does Drayton, what does Dayton do? I mean, is he some sort of I mean, it'd be a surprise if he was a rich guy, right? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, uh, he is. Well, I mean, his family is. The family worth is just in the billions. That's all. Don't worry about it. He's the descendant of George Draper Dayton, who founded the Dayton Dry Goods Company that is known as Target today. And he's one of the... (laughs) That's just a surprise. I mean, if he was working at a Target, wouldn't Anna be just as much in love with him? Of course she would. Of course she would. So we've talked about uh, the monoliths. Seems like, you know, every day for the past couple of weeks. Well, now we know that uh, the artists known as the most famous artists... That they're responsible for the monolith. They they took credit for it on their Instagram account. And they also have some for sale, which we'll tell you about in just a minute. But they did take credit for it. They uh, posted uh, Instagram pics of articles about them. And they said that this one in Joshua Tree National Park, adding another monolith outside of Joshua Tree, that makes four. So you have the one in Utah, you have the one, in, you have the two in Joshua Tree, you have the one in uh, Romania, but they don't mention the one in Vegas. So am I to take that the one in Vegas is fake? Is just a spoof, not a real one? Okay whatever and they posted a picture showing uh, one of their artists uh, making one of the monoliths with a mask and his face is hidden and the caption you know said you mean it wasn't aliens so you can buy one now at uh, <laughs> at their website com, and it's monolith as-a-service.com so I went there and I thought man do I want one And they're sold out And they're only $45,000 I know Right You think that can't be forty-five grand for that Yep uh, Apparently they Gave the authentic direct dimensions And museum quality materials <laughs> Delivery and installation included So blockchain certification certification of authenticity signed and dated the most famous artist 2020. Now it also says that delivery will take four to six weeks. So you can get one for yourself. I still am wondering about the Vegas monolith, whether that's just a, you know, put up from a bar or not and not the most famous artist. but it is a surprise that it wasn't aliens, right? Because we found out. Today, from an ex-Israeli space head that, uh, well, uh, aliens are are real, okay? Uh, I know, I know. Chaim Ishit told an Israeli newspaper that we are involved in interplanetary diplomacy. That's what's got President Trump kind of, you know, stepping on toes because he was on the verge of revealing that aliens exist but the aliens in the galactic federation um, which they signed and we signed they don't want to start mass hysteria and they want to first make us sane and understanding and until that day and the aliens have secured this agreement to keep their moves under wraps, noting that extraterrestrials come in peace. Which uh, is kind of good news, right? So, they've signed a contract to do experiments here, they're researching and trying to understand the whole fabric of the universe, and they want us as helpers. Kind of sweet that they want us to help, right? We are one of the hubs in the <laughs> of the co-op- of the cooperation. The cooperation uh, is, uh, is and that's on our base in Mars. Oh, okay, yeah, we have representatives there, uh, astronauts uh, under in an underground base in the depths of Mars, and that's you know I don't know if that's good news or bad news, but it's a start. It's a start. Now he acknowledged that it sounds like science fiction. Well, it does. It does kind of sound like science fiction, but look, if I'd have said this five years ago, I would have been hospitalized. I would guess that you may be hospitalized today, but that's just me. So wherever he's gone with this, uh, in, uh, within the academia, they've said the man has lost his mind today. They're already talking differently. And I've got nothing to lose. I've received my degrees. I'm respected at universities. The trend is changing. And look, I'm 87 years old now, so back off me, okay? Well, that was just me speaking for him. He didn't say that. Now, he was uh, the head of of Israel's space security program, from 1981 to 2010 and that's good i like that i didn't realize i honestly i didn't realize israel had a space security program but why would i i'm not involved in the galactic federation so maybe it is science fiction maybe the people that are part of You know, making space shows like Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry, maybe he was in the Galactic Federation. So he kind of told us about what the future was going to be, knowing what the future was going to be, but he didn't, he made it into science fiction. So we just didn't think it was real. It was just a TV show and movies. But it really, he was trying to tell us, hey, wake up. The Galactic Federation are here and they're going to be doing experiments on us and they're waiting for us to evolve. Oh, okay. Wouldn't they want to just let us evolve and give us a little bit of help? I mean, maybe, maybe there's a directive. (laughs) There's a directive from the Galactic Federation. You never know. You never know. And they can't, they can't help us. That's the, that's the directive from the galactic federation. But the good news is that, uh, we've signed the the agreement and we're following it, uh, to the letter as of right now. I mean, that's good news, right? Sure. It is. Sure. Sure. Incredible news out of China although we kind of heard about this during the Olympics if you remember but according to this they are developing a weather uh, machine uh, modification system and it should be up and running by 2025 <laughs> I know and they're talking about being able to make it rain on a billion acres uh okay Uh, okay so they say they've got a weather modification system by 2025 with breakthroughs in fundamental research and key technologies so they are looking to intensify their weather modification system for disasters such as drought and hail and related zoning work in agricultural production areas normalized working plans for regions in need of ecological protection and restoration major emergency responses to deal with events such as forest and grassland fires and unusually high temperatures or droughts nice now remember i talked about the olympics remember in 2008 they used cloud seeding to reduce rainfall during the opening ceremony <laughs> okay now the cloud seeding uh attempts to change the amount and type of participation or precipitation that comes from the clouds or the participation too that comes from the clouds and it does this by dispersing substances into the air that serve as a condenser for the clouds i know i'm talking down to you now and i apologize these substances also known as ice nuclei alter the micro processes within the cloud the end result is that the raindrops or ice flakes fall from the sky oh hmm. so i mean they're gonna be making it storm uh make it rain when they talk about making it rain they're not talking about whipping dollar bills out of the strip club they're talking about actually making it rain baby <laughs> So if there's a fire, no problem. Uh, We can get the weather system fired up and we'll just, I mean, bad choice of words. We can get the weather system started up and we'll just, uh, you know, drop some rain on that fire. It'll be fine. I mean, okay. All right. If we want to start messing with Mother Nature, may make some of us want to live above the clouds. (gasps) Isn't that what we saw in the future? Maybe that's what the Galactic Federation could help us with. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just just thinking out loud. But man, if we're going to start messing with Mother Nature, there we could be in... I don't know. We're either in good trouble or it could help us and it'd be a wonderful thing. Let's go with wonderful thing. At least for now. Alright, let's bring her back down here to real life. Out of the clouds. Let's come down to the planet on the ground, shall we? Chick-fil-A is uh, now going after... The Chicken Mafia. Now one would think that Chick-fil-A may be a part of the, the Chicken Mafia. No, they're at the tail end. They're at the end of the supply. Right? That's the last place where the chicken is there. That's where you purchase it to eat. But prior to that, you've got the Chicken Mafia going on. Now the fast food chain, they claim that chicken suppliers, there's your mafia, conspired to inflate prices... On billions of dollars worth of poultry purchases. <laughs> they filed this suit uh, last Friday in Illinois. And they claimed um, now they, Chick-fil-A in 2014. They committed to buying antibiotic-free chicken. And the suppliers all went, okay, no problem. Um, they're going to buy the antibiotic-free chicken. So we're going to get together and uh, make sure that uh, the bidding and pricing information we know about. So they all coordinated together to make sure that they kept the prices, uh, you know, pretty fixed. Pretty fixed. So that meant that Chick-fil-A was paying uh, really inflated prices for the chickens. (laughs) So the suit names 17 alleged whoever wrote this story, alleged bad eggs as defendants, Uh, including Purdue Farms, Tyson Foods, Pilgrim's Pride, and Sanderson Farms, Inc. I see they're not naming all 17. I've got to get a list of this, of all 17, because we want to know everyone that's in the Chicken Mafia, man. (laughs) Because the Chicken Mafia, this isn't the first time that they've been, uh, been... alleged sorry we'll say alleged because some of these cases are still pending that uh they've tried to inflate prices so 10 industry executives were indicted in separate cases this year by the department of justice and several suppliers have been sued for again allegedly conspiring to inflate the prices of broiler chickens so it is a complete chicken mafia ban in October, Pilgrim's Pride pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy to limit competition in chicken product sales and paid a hundred and ten point five million dollar fine. It was like we just plead guilty to the one count and we'll pay the we'll pay the hundred and ten million and we're out of here. Okay, get out of here. Now uh, they said we believe these claims are unfounded and plan to contest the merits. Oh, okay what about tyson and pilgrim's pride and sanderson farms what did they have to say They did not immediately respond uh they're they're looking to to get out of it so you know what's going to happen is chick-fil-a looking to make a bunch of money i don't know they're probably looking to make more money right so they're thinking to themselves uh you know if we if we don't get anything out of the past deals at least we can get the prices down for the future right and make some extra money in the future which is probably a you know cover the legal expenses and you know make sure that they're making some money in the future but we have got to get it th- this will be uh we're going to do some investigative reporting here on chewing the fat and if you want to you know email me at chewing the fat at the dot com if you're aware of some of the insiders of the chicken mafia you can email me at chewing the fat at the dot com strictly confidential of course never I would never out you as a source to the chicken mafia that <laughs> you know there's a chicken mafia man you know it those prices at the wing shops not wing stop but wing shops just all of them are through the roof and why is that uh, probably because of uh, coordination between the bidding and pricing information yeah Yeah, because the Chicken Mafia wants to make more and more money. So who ends up paying for it? You and me, my friends. You and me. (music) All right, let's go to the break room. I need something to drink, and I'll tell you what else would be good (laughs) is some chicken wings. Right. I know, sounds great. Oh, you know what? With, with some honey barbecue, for some reason that sounds really good today, but you know, I don't want to I don't want to <laughs> spend money to help the chicken mafia not today. Oh yeah, come on. A fresh ice cold Oh. Oh my gosh, that is so good. <laughs> Hey, did you uh, hear the news? Big news. (laughs) Breakdancing is now an Olympic sport. I know. I know. So the official announcement has been made that breaking will be included at the 2024 summer games in Paris. Now there's, they already have climbing, skateboarding, surfing which will debut in Tokyo next summer, the International Olympic Committee President Thomas Bach has praised, of course he did, I mean, he's the committee president, uh, the sport and events uh, more will make the summer games more gender-balanced, more youthful, and more urban. We have a clear priority uh, that... We need to introduce sports which are particularly popular among younger generations and also take into account the urbanization of sport. <laughs> right? I know. I know, but, but some people are a little worried that Olympic judges, for example, might come to value technical difficulty over other qualities that make breaking unique such as passion and originality. And there's been quite a controversy inside the scene. Um, We need to make sure... You know, Crazy Legs, one of the pioneers of breaking and the president of Rocksteady Crew, he believes that it's going to be important for prominent breakers to work with the IOC and the World Dance Sport Federation to ensure the olympic version of breaking stays true to its roots exactly I agree 100% crazy legs the passion and the pain that goes with living through struggle that is the essence of the dance you want to make sure that the soul of that isn't diluted. amen Hey, if you are listening to this show right now and you are not a subscriber to this show, you need to up your game. And by that, I mean you need to subscribe to Chewing the Fat. So whatever platform you choose, there's a plethora of platforms out there like uh, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, there's a plethora of platforms out there that carry chewing the fat, whichever one warms the cockles of your heart, then subscribe to chewing the fat. And by that you will be upping your game. No question. You don't want to be a freeloader. No one likes a freeloader, but to be a freeloading subscriber, that's perfect. Everybody loves that about you. (laughs) So subscribe to the podcast. Okay. Make that happen. Thank you. Don't just be listening for free. Just, you know, I want you to, I want you to do better in your life. And by subscribing to this podcast, your life will be that much better because of it. Okay. And as long as you're busy subscribing, you might as well subscribe to the YouTube channel, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher as well. And I've got social media accounts. Twitter is at JFR. Facebook, Instagram, Parlor. Those are all Jeff Fisher radio. So just go ahead and follow me there as well. Make it happen. And, you know, like I said, up your game. It'll, you will be a better person on this planet for it. And I hope maybe the galactic federation has subscribed. Maybe they don't have to subscribe. Maybe they just listen out in space, but they better be subscribing. If you're part of the galactic federation, (laughs) If you're part of the Galactic Federation and you're freeloading on this podcast, uh, you and I need to have words. I don't care whether you're in the depths of your little hideout on Mars or whether you're wandering around on this planet incognito, hiding the fact that you're an alien. You need to be a subscriber to Chewing the Fat and listen that way instead of listening in your little alien way, whatever little alien way that is. (laughs) Okay? All right. That's better now. So I see Bob Dylan sold out. Mr. uh, Mr. Bob Dylan, the man himself. He's, uh, what is he, like 150 now. I know, he's only 79. So his entire catalog, more than 600 songs and 60 years worth of work, He's sold to Universal Music Group's music publishing arm. Now, they haven't released the details of the deal. I mean, everyone is wondering what Bob sold out for. What was the price? At 79 what was the price that Bob said, you know, go ahead and take all my songs. and Take my work. It's all yours. Just write me a check. And I'm going to sing them. And they're still my songs until I die. And after that, they're... They're all they're all yours, I mean he's won a Nobel Prize in literature. he's still touring on his never ending tour i actually I saw Bob uh live I don't know how many years ago now it was quite a while ago, but it was it was it was fine I like Bob I was my uh you know my oldest son's mom uh loved loved him so I mean I was forced to like him right and uh we saw him. Jeez, oh, uh, uh, We saw him on some tour, and uh, he was. He was great, and you know, his people are still doing covers of his songs. Adele, I mean, she had a huge hit with um, "Make You Feel My Love." So okay, I, you know, I, I just. I, I'm really curious to see what the price was that. Bob Dylan Bob Dylan would say yeah go ahead just write me a check I mean his songs have been recorded more than 6,000 times by hundreds of artists and he's sold more than 125 million records globally so there's gotta be that check's gonna be a nice check no question about that you know we talked uh, last week about HBO and their new deal in 2021, where any movie that gets released to the theaters is going to be released on HBO Max. They made that deal with Warner Brothers, and Legendary Entertainment is going to challenge that. They're a little wound up. They, yeah, Dune and Godzilla vs. Kong to HBO Max on the same day that they're set for theatrical releases legendary does not want that to happen. They're saying, uh, do we do not want that to happen. And that's what, I mean, HBO max is saying with the Warner brothers movies, wonder woman, 84 coming up here this month in December of 2020 and, uh, 17 movies next year. As soon as the films, uh, go to the theater, they'll be available to stream for the first 31 days. For free. And I mean, I know it's not free. You still have to be a subscriber to HBO Max. But Legendary Entertainment is saying, Uh, no? Uh, we don't like this deal at all. Uh, we had a deal to s- sell our stuff to Netflix. Uh, they were all lined up to purchase Godzilla vs. Kong for $250 million. Wow. Netflix was going to spend, and who knows if that's the true price. I mean, okay, so it was only $200 million. Damn, I don't know what they do with the money. But that deal is off now with the Warner Brothers deal. And according to Legendary, they found out about the Dune and Godzilla vs. Kong moving to this hybrid theatrical HBO Max release about 30 minutes before the announcement went public. And they are not happy about it. so we'll see we'll see you know uh legendary entertainment as partners provided 75 percent of the budget for dune and uh, probably about the same for godzilla versus king as well or kong or whatever the hell the name of the movie is but uh they now the executives are worried that uh I don't know how we're going to move these films to streaming uh, with the viability of the franchise. Well, they'll already be streaming on HBO Max. So get over it. (laughs) Uh, So we'll see what happens. Uh, You might not get to see Dune and Godzilla vs. Kong on HBO Max if Legendary Entertainment has anything to say about it. Watch Blue Bloods, the television show on CBS with Tom Selleck. I mean, Tom Selleck is Commissioner Frank Reagan. Hello. He is the police commissioner of New York, right? I mean, that's, he's the guy. He's the man. So their 11th season just premiered this past Friday and i mean, i watch blue bloods I, i'm a fan we we watch blue bloods my wife and i it's one of the shows that we watch together it's just one of those shows and frank reagan is the conservative guy man he but what it is it seems like he is because he really struggles with backing the police department and he's always willing to walk man over over what's right for the police department and This latest episode with Regina Thomas, who is uh, played by Whoopi Goldberg, by the way. The city council speaker who has been on the show before. And they argue over systemic racism and oppression in the police department. Of course. I mean, that's what all of the shows are doing now, right? Especially for CBS. Oh, my gosh. CBS is a nightmare. But so is NBC. So are they all. I mean, they all just ram it down our throats law and order svu and i mean it's just it's i got it it's it's black lives matter and that's what we're gonna do right so he's got this big fight on now he's not gonna roll over no way uh frank reagan does not roll over for his officers sorry now he usually tries to find a way especially if an officer was a bad cop he tries to make sure that he you know it we know that it's a bad cop But it's not the police department, and so that—I mean—that's the show, that's the deal, and that's who he is. And we were—I'm surprised that he was back. I actually thought he—they're building up for this to end, and the end of it is going to be, you know, Tom Selleck, Frank Reagan quitting and not being the police commissioner anymore. That's going to be the end of of Blue Bloods, right? And his family, and it's one of the few families, if—if the only family on television that prays. Uh, around their sunday dinner table we get that you know they're a big-time catholic family on television and they pray before their dinners on sunday i mean it's it's uh, it's amazing that the show is still good that's what makes the show the show so does you know i mean it's tom selig no question and you know then i got to thinking that you know the lady that was uh, linda reagan Uh, Amy Carlson, she, uh, was on the show for a long time. I don't know, eight or nine years. And she just, they made her die, die off. And she's going to be on, she's now a character on the FBI's most wanted TV show. I don't know if you watch that or not, but I really have tried to get into that show, man. I want to like that show. And I just, I don't know. I still watch it. She's going to be a bounty hunter on season two. In season two of Most Wanted, uh, and yes, I've watched every episode of the first season, and I think they've got a couple new episodes out that I've watched. And I just, I can't. It just isn't what I want it to be. And I'll hang out for Amy Carlson to see if her character, you know, saves the show. But I mean, that's probably what they're hoping for because it's just missing. Something you can quote me on that—it's just missing something. All right, what the heck is going on down at Fort Bragg? So I see the headline where it talks about foul play is suspected in the deaths of decorated Master Sergeant veteran at Fort Bragg, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, what the heck is going on uh, in Fort Bragg? And so master sergeant and another veteran were found deceased in a training area all right now no weapon was found at the scene but shell casings were found on the ground leading investigators to suspect that it was a double homicide resulting from a drug deal gone wrong now you think to yourself come on if there was drugs being dealt at fort bragg wouldn't they know about it and we you know. We'd hear more about it. Well, uh, both these men had been under investigation for using and selling drugs. Uh, Their remains were found together in a remote part of the training area with one body in a car. (laughs) Wow. Now, the army, of course, is saying, you know, hey, you know, these are, you know, it's always uh, horrible to lose anyone and they were you know he was deployed multiple times in the defense of our nation our condolences go out to his family during this difficult time right I got it no problem but it does make you think that something is going on because this marked the fourth and fifth to occur on or near Fort Bragg this year so there's drug wars going on (laughs) on Fort Bragg Uh, wow okay maybe we need to you know put an end to that on our military bases maybe the semi tractor trailer that was found a few miles south of the US Mexico border over the weekend, had something to do with it. Who knows? Mexican authorities discovered $62 million worth of drugs hidden inside this tractor trailer. (laughs) I know. Now, they didn't make any arrests following the seizure. So, I mean, they don't know who was responsible for it. They just know it was parked about five miles from the border, and somebody said, hey, that truck there, what's up? And so they searched it. They Wow. I mean, it's incredible what was on board. One ton of marijuana. Nine pounds of fentanyl. 144 pounds of crystal meth. 12 pounds of heroin. Just on that one trailer. Don't worry about it. It was between sacks of plaster mix. So don't worry. It'll be fine (laughs) we don't need to know who's responsible for that you kidding me i mean according to the united nations office on drugs and crime and i'm sure there's no kickbacks to any people in those offices at all going on but illegal drug manufacturers in mexico created more new types of narcotics over the past decade than any other country in the world I know the Mexican drug market contributed to Latin America, overtaking Europe as the world's top regional producer of new illegal drugs and flooding the U S border with synthetic drugs in recent years. That's so good. The hundreds of new drugs created over the past decade, 178 new drugs have been produced by Latin American and Caribbean nations at the rate of which those discoveries are occurring is speeding up. Oh, good. That's no problem. (laughs) Latin America market produced 61 new drugs. Mexico was responsible for roughly half of that number. And 51 new drugs were reported being created in all of Europe. So, I mean, good for Mexico, good for Latin America and the Caribbean. Uh, congratulations, you guys are number one. And I'm sure that's what you were going for. And speaking of drugs, the COVID-19 vaccines are now hitting the market around the world. And under the law here in the U.S., an employer can force an employee to get vaccinated. And if they don't, eh, you can get fired. So, eh, don't worry about it. Now, you might be able to get around it with the anti-discrimination laws that maybe you ask your employer for an exemption from the company-wide coronavirus vaccine mandate, but good luck with that. So, we all have that to look forward to, right? (laughs) Right, of course. And I'm sure that there are going to be plenty of places around the world that aren't going to mandate you take the vaccine. (laughs) Right. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts. You didn't think that uh, COVID-19 was going to be the only thing you had to worry about in 2020, did you? (laughs) Okay, that's what I thought. So at least one person has died and 200 others have been hospitalized due to an unidentified illness in the southern Indian state of Andhra Pradesh, I know. So in India, they've got a new disease. They don't know what is. A 45-year-old man hospitalized with symptoms similar to epilepsy and nausea died Sunday evening. And we still have a couple hundred other people hospitalized with this same unidentified illness now of course officials are trying to determine the cause of the illness of course they are so far water samples from impacted areas haven't shown any signs of contamination they were different ages and they've tested negative for COVID-19 and other viral diseases so what could it be it couldn't have anything to do with the hundreds of new drugs Being made in Mexico and Latin America and Europe. (laughs) Couldn't have anything to do with that. Right? I'm sure. I'm sure it doesn't have anything to do with that. We have more mysterious illnesses. A mysterious neurological symptoms are being experienced by U.S. diplomats in China and Cuba. Huh. But well, we kind of know what that is. Apparently, it's caused by directed microwave energy. So, huh. Huh. So, apparently, this energy was delivered intentionally. <laughs> and does not rule out the possibility that a weapon was used to deliver the energy. Okay. There's also no evidence to definitely say if any foreign power was behind the microwave energy. Really? It's in Russia and Cuba and it's only affecting U.S. diplomats, but I'm sure, I'm sure that there weren't any foreign powers delivering the microwave energy. Oh, okay. No problem. It was just a coincidence. So we have that going on which is great and uh, we have the top nuclear scientist in iran who was assassinated and uh, one of his guards was uh, killed as well and it was killed from a drone machine gun a space gun so apparently the uh the scientist was traveling on a highway outside of uh, Iran's capital and they talked about how the satellite computer AI machine gun zoomed in on the face and fired 13 rounds <laughs> okay so apparently uh, and it said it and his wife was not shot at all his wife was sitting right next to him in the in the vehicle and according to this the satellite i mean it's a drone it's a drone kill the the machine gun was mounted on a nissan pickup truck focused only on the face of the scientist now the head of security took four bullets because he threw himself onto the scientist while the gun while the you know the bullets were were firing and it was uh you know they zoomed in from the satellite and they fired the machine gun so it was a drone machine gun fired and killed this guy in iran now iran says that was all done because of israel and i'm pretty sure israel hasn't said yeah it was us but so we're getting drone drone kills that way now in the world too yay yay And I wanted to mention Chuck Yeager. Uh, He passed away at the age of 97. And he was the pilot who broke the sound barrier, the speed of sound for the first time. And he lived an incredible life. Just incredible. Now, I know that breaking the sound barrier in 1947 doesn't sound like a big deal now, but it sure as heck was then. And he flew the experimental Bell XS-1, later the X-1 rocket plane, uh, over the dry lake in California. And he nicknamed the plane Glamorous Glennis" after his wife. And he lived an incredible life. He said the plane would have gone faster, but had he carried more fuel. But he said it was, uh, you know, the ride was nice. It was just like riding in a fast car, and they kept it a secret for about a year. When the world thought that British had broken the sound barrier first, and we were like, "Mm, no, uh, no, uh, we did. Now he said that it wasn't a matter of not having airplanes that would fly at speeds like this. It was a matter of keeping them from falling apart. So, and he has flown, this guy flew all over the world. He flew 341 types of military planes in every country in the world, logged about 18,000 hours. He said that uh, one of the things that he regretted was not having the education to become an astronaut. So after World War II, he became a test pilot. And he, you know, he did all that. He returned to combat during the Vietnam War. He commanded Air Force fighter squadrons and wings and aerospace research pilot school for military astronauts. He said that he never owned an airplane. And he said, if you're willing to bleed, Uncle Sam will give you all the planes you want. I mean, just amazing. He was born in a you know a small town he was a hunter he talked about the day that he broke the sound barrier he had gone out hunting whether it's true or not that he you know shot a goose and then had the goose for dinner but he talked about going out and and hunting and uh you know he's got all in west virginia he was born in a small town and he's you know that's got the Silver Star, the Distinguished Flying Cross, the Bronze Star, the Air Medal, the Purple Heart. Um, Harry Truman, President Truman, awarded him the Collier Air Trophy in 1948 for his breaking the sound barrier. He also received the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1985. And he's just been a pitch man. You know, he worked as a consultant to the Air Force and Northrop Corporation, and he became a television pitchman. you I mean you saw him doing automotive parts doors and heat pumps and you know he was married to his first wife from 1945 until 1990 and then he married uh Victoria in 2003 who was uh you know a tad bit younger than my man but uh it was okay he did it was all right everybody said yeah no problem Chuck, you got it babe but I loved that he was such a humble guy and yet he was this amazing guy. And he talked about it was just luck, right? He talked about how lucky he was. And he was he was one speech he gave, he said, um, how lucky I was, for example, to have been born in 1923 and not 1963, so that I came of age just as aviation itself was entering the modern era. And that was given at a speech at the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum. He said, I was just a lucky kid who caught the right ride. Just an amazing life. Chuck Yeager uh, passed away at 97, and he deserves to be remembered. And rest in peace, Chuck Yeager. You are an amazing man. And I particularly love his quote about never owning an airplane. The guy flew airplanes all over the world. And uh, if you're willing to bleed, Uncle Sam will give you all the planes you want.